Welcome to Hit Subscribe, a podcast by Recharge designed to educate, inspire, and connect the subscription commerce space. Highlighting stories from subscription brands, top design and development agencies, e-commerce platforms, best-in-class technology vendors, and insider tips from the brightest minds at Recharge, Hit Subscribe is your place for subscription insights and best practices. On today's episode, we talk with Matt Dornfeld from Big Commerce about their approach to omni-channel touchpoints, generational shopping preferences, and utilizing A-B testing and experimentation to get it right. Let's dive in. So Matt, thank you for joining us. Of course, yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So give us a quick intro on yourself. Sure. Um, so I'm Matt Dornfeld. I'm a director of business development at Big Commerce, uh, where I oversee a lot of our uh, net new channel and tech partner relationships. Um, so anyone from Walmart to the partners that enable Walmart um, to the you know, advertising ad tech partners and fulfillment partners all in between. Awesome. So today we are talking about omnichannel broadly. Um, first thing we're going to do, because I know that there's obviously definitions that kind of fly around, uh, people are kind of confused between difference in omni-channel and multi-channel. So give us a definition of how you guys at big commerce define omni-channel. Sure. Um, so you're totally right. I think a lot of, uh, people, you know, partners, customers, everyone defines a little bit differently. And in a lot of cases they're used interchangeably, right? Um, so multi-channel and, and how we think about it is really where a merchant is putting the product at the center uh, of, of communication, where it's the brand is really just communicating messages outwards about the product without building some sort of connected ecosystem that helps enable the customer to experience the brand in the best possible way at all times. Omnichannel retailing is really where you put the customer at the center. So with the customer at the center, you can kind of build... Um, you know, synergy between your channels, how you engage with, with the customer about the product, and making sure that you're delivering a, a really um, you know, well-communicated brand experience, no matter how someone's engaging with you. So in a way, a, a company being multi-channel is saying, here's our product, go find it where, where it is. Omni-channel is the flip side of that is saying, where are you? We'll come to you and deliver the product in the way you want. Yeah, exactly. And I think a step further is if, you know, if a brand is engaging with a customer one channel, um, it's really important to remember and demonstrate that you remember that experience on a different channel. I um, mean, I think you'll see that, you know, when you, you visit one webpage or, you know, maybe you see something on your phone and then you see an advertisement for it on another channel, maybe on your desktop, um, you know, that a brand is really working hard to deliver a very communicated and structured experience um, to deliver the right product to you at the right time. Awesome. So, so right on cue there, there, there's a line that I pulled from an article on the BigCommerce website that I think explains it really well. It says, uh, Omnichannel is providing shoppers what they want, when they want. And I would actually argue also how they want as well. Um, so I know you you kind of have four pillars of omnichannel success. You want to talk a little bit about those? Yeah, of course. Um, so the, the four pillars of omni-success are really built around four different constructs. Um, so for a merchant to really see success across multiple channels, you know, we anticipate they would first select the right channel for their business, right? If you're um, if you're selling car parts, you know, eBay Motors is probably a great place to be, whereas selling on Amazon may be less fruitful for you. Um, the next piece is you know, operations. So are you managing your orders and your inventory and your product data in the best possible way? So that way you're taking advantage of every competitive edge that you can. Um, next would be advertising or, or marketing technology. So are you driving traffic in the most you know, efficient way? And furthermore, you know, are you spending the right money on the right SKUs that actually have inventory to be sold in the first place? Um, and then finally is fulfillment. So 
how are you delivering a, a promise to your customers that differentiates your brand um, from somebody else? So do you have a two-day delivery window? Can you keep that window? Is the reverse logistics of getting a return product back to your warehouse, wherever it is, easy? Um, and I think you'll see, you know, as a lot of brands try different strategies, the brands that succeed are the ones that have really frictionless experiences, regardless of where the customer is in the journey. What kind of brands do this very well? What's, what are some examples that you have? Um, I think, you know, a few that come to mind would be like Spearmint. Spearmint Love sells, um, you know, baby uh, you know, clothing products. Um, they've been an early adopter of things like Instagram checkout, which I think are really excellent channels to take advantage of. And, you know, one of the things about adopting these new technologies is that as channels change, the early adopters are typically rewarded. Um, and, you know, if you can demonstrate that you understand what the channel cares about and you play into what that strategy is, you'll, you'll see the benefit in your revenue, right? And in your traffic. And Spearman's just an excellent example of someone who understands that you need to be represented in more than one place beyond just your website. Um, and, you know, doing so via big commerce and Facebook and Instagram is, is a great partnership, uh, um, you know, to really leverage and bring that to life. Gotcha. That's awesome. So, so one of the things that I've been been thinking a lot about in um, kind of in, in tandem with with omnichannel is it's not just you either your business either is or isn't omnichannel. There's obviously a sliding scale. Um, the goal is to have you know, as close to the omnichannel side as possible. Um, but kind of going like looking back at 2020, now that we're obviously a year post this pandemic, um, it's it was fairly easy for some businesses to kind of swap because everybody came online all at once. So the original thought of, you know, you have to be in a whole bunch of different places kind of forced people online there. Um, given the landscape, how do you suggest merchants kind of start to think about that now? So if it's kind of a new merchant who's just getting on board, just starting to think about how can I branch out in different places? What's, what are the best ways they can start to do that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to, to test and learn, right? And, and experience uh, channels and, and see what fits for your brand and uh, making sure you're adopting the right tech stack to actually do those things. So, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a new brand and I'm not taking advantage of free listings on Google or free listings on Bing or, you know, XYZ channel offering free this, that's a missed opportunity. Um, you know, brands should be looking at new channels as a means to drive incremental growth. So if turning on a channel that, you know, feeds into your big commerce storefront results in 10, 20, 30% more revenue with minimal lift, why not? Um, so I think it's, it's being willing to experiment and also to fail, right? I mean, not every channel is going to work and, um, it takes investment. And I, I think some brands are, are better prepared for that than others. But, uh, I think what COVID taught everyone is that you have to diversify, you have to be in more places. And again, back to the whole Omni thing, you know, if you're connecting those experiences, the results will compound. Um, and I think that's the best part. So let's dig into that a, a bit more. Where is the balance? And maybe this is a stupid question, but where's the balance between finding a channel that works and leaning into that? Because that's generally what most marketing teams will tell you. If you find something that works, you're investing 2X in and you get 4X out. Why not dump as much as you can into that? So where's the balance between that and maybe over-investing and looking at different channels and experimenting with, with different platforms? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's ideal to, you know, exist on five or 10 channels and see, you know, a thousand dollars in sales from, from each of those channels. Whereas you could maybe focus your, your ad dollars on Facebook, Google, you know, drive success, demonstrate the success, and then branch out to your next, um, you know, ads channel, for example. Um, so I think it's, it's important not to scale or adopt too many channels too quickly. Um, but I, I do think there's a, there's a safe mix here and, you know, Google and Facebook are obviously two massive ads players and you really can't ignore them at this point. 
Um, but, you know, I think merchants that adopt and spend the right way and use the right tools uh, can really make that work for them. Um, so there are uh, so many different partners that can enable really best in class experiences on Google. Um, you know, a lot of platforms, uh, big commerce included, you know, enable a lot of different um, tool sets uh, that, that help merchants scale on those new channels. So I think it's really important to lean into the platform too. Like your platforms today, it's not just about building a website. Um, there are tons of services available and content available to, to make sure that merchants are just thinking about channel adoption in the right way at the right time. Um, it's, it's really, it goes back to just taking advantage of, of what's available. So you spoke a bit about testing on different channels. Um, and we talked about kind of, you know, dipping your toe in a, in a couple of different places, seeing what's happening there. Um, are, do you have any guidance on, on necessarily like what channels may work or which ones to expand in later? Sure. Um, I mean, it, it depends on your goals for sure. And, and also what category you're in. Um, so, you know, back to the auto example, uh, selling auto parts on Wayfair, not a fit, right? Selling auto parts on Overstock, maybe, maybe not a fit. So again, selling auto parts on eBay Motors, fit, right? And I, and I think, uh, you know, back to the example of you know, too many channels, you don't want to spray and pray, right? I think there are channels that have demonstrated success in certain categories. Um, you know, Wish, for example, uh, merchants that sell refurb electronics do really well on that channel. Um, so if that's, you know, if I'm, again, if I'm an auto parts manufacturer, maybe Wish isn't where I'll find my next, you know, thousand customers. Um, but, you know, back to the test and learn thing, I think advertising channels are an interesting way to think about adoption. Uh, and then, you know, cool strategies for, using those channels to point to other um, merchant assets. So are you, are you using Google ads to point to your website or, or some other property that, that you might, may own? Um, I think the, the challenge with um, uh, growth is that, you know, some, sometimes people get stagnant or comfortable, um, but, you know, at BigCommerce anyway, we're, we're really big advocates for considering cross-border strategies, uh, taking advantage of different government organizations and trade groups that are also there to help merchants adopt you know, that first country outside of the U.S. and, and start recognizing sales all over the world. So um, long-winded answer, but there's, a, there's just so many things to consider and fortunately a lot of resources um, to help merchants make the right decision. No, it's awesome. Sometimes the long-winded answers end up being the best ones because you start to, you know, we, we distill this, this whole conversation down to one simple topic. We call it omnichannel, but once you dig into this and you start to under, like uncover the different topics, you realize that, you know, we're not just talking about Google and Facebook here. We're talking about different countries. We're talking about platforms. We're talking about where you can sell things. Um, heard the example that, uh, that the Alexa homes are going to start to be selling products that you can use for audio commerce. And like, I have to say that quietly. So the ones in my house don't ask me uh, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get out here, but um, like, it's this whole big encompassing thing. It's really difficult to really distill this down into a short conversation, but it really, it really is, you know, get your brand everywhere you can in front of as many people as you can. That, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, on, on the other hand, like, has there ever been a time to have this many opportunities, uh, you know, for a new business? I mean, it's, right. it's almost uh, analysis paralysis, like wait, what's the right path. And I, I think that again, like there's so many tools available, um, you do need support to kind of cut through the noise, uh, I would imagine. And, and that's really where your platform, again, can, can come into play here. Um, you know, I can speak for big commerce, but I'm sure this is industry-wide, um, that there's no shortage of people on hand um, you know, at these companies to, to help figure out the right strategy for getting from you know, your first million to your next nine or 10. Right. I would also combat that by saying, you know, not only is it a great time, but people are stuck at home and they are experimenting. And I think if this year taught us anything, it's that you're allowed to do new things and try new things and be different. And so people are all over the place looking for products. It's just a matter of you making sure you're in the right spot. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely right. 
Um, let's go back to, uh, to metrics really quickly. I know you mentioned that a little bit. What kind of metrics should you be tracking? Are we still talking like the regular CPMs or are there different things you should be looking at for, for on the channel? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to consider. I think you'll want to know, you know, what what's your order conversion rate? Like, is your average order value growing? Is your LTV growing? Um, you know, ROAS is obviously really important in the ad space, but um, if we're talking about, you know, the fundamentals of just the website, we want to make sure that you're driving traffic to the right page, that, you know, end customers are moving to the checkout as easily as possible, um, and that you're growing your cart size over time as well. And I think that's obviously one of the, the you know, my favorite parts about recharge, um, obviously, is that it helps do a lot of those things and helping you know, a really effective checkout experience and making sure that you know your customers are a happy, but b buying more and different things from you over time. This episode is brought to you by the State of Subscription Commerce Report. 2020 came with many challenges, but also many opportunities. This year's report illuminates the boom in e-commerce in 2020 and provides valuable insights and takeaways for subscription merchants. Download the report at rechargepayments.com slash annual report. So let's let's change gears here a little bit and talk generational differences. So this is something that has come up um, in a lot of content pieces that I've been reading about how, you know, while a lot of people are moving online right now, it's a lot of different generational people. The, the, the teens and the 20s have only been online. That's what they grew up with. So that's all I know. But the other side of that coin is, you know, your baby boomers, your your older people who are you know, so used to just walking into a store and buying something and now they're being forced online. How, how are those experiences different? How is it something that kind of makes each of them unique and how can you target each of them? Yeah, you know, it, it's funny, like hearing my, um, even just talking to my family, right? And hearing about, about how they're approaching buying things and their experiences in marketplaces and um, you know, my, my grandparents, uh, refused to buy anything, uh, groceries, you know, online, whereas my, my parents are starting to consider other means of delivery, like Instacart and, and others. Um, so I, I think, you know, the, the Gen Z, like really young ones, they're, I think very entrepreneurial, uh, in, in the sense that they're not trying to speak to salespeople and they're really trying to engage and relate to brands. And I, I think there's, you know, there's booming activities around like re-commerce and, you know, used items that are finding new homes. Um, so it's been really interesting to see that develop uh, in the really young sphere. Millennials, um, you know, people like myself, I think there's a degree and I, I'm definitely, this is how I roll. It's, I'm, I'm doing my research online. I look at, you know, all the different products I want. And then I'm still that guy who gets in his car and drives to the store and, and buys it in person. Um, I, I don't actually have a Prime account. Uh, I don't own a Netflix account. I'm, I'm actually very anti-subscription, but uh, I guess by design, but I am very focused on um, what drives, you know, those behaviors uh, with merchants and customers. Whereas the boomer population and older, I'm, I'm finding that um, it's highly consultative. Uh, I mean, people need to be talked through it. And I think that's probably due to how they were raised and how they grew up. Um, but I think ultimately what COVID did is accelerated the adoption of online services by all of those groups. So even though they're all using the system differently, they're still all using it. And that will only continue to you know, evolve uh, over the next couple of years. I think you're spot on. And I think for the record, whatever it's worth, we officially found someone who does not have an Amazon Prime or an Amazon account. <laughs> yeah, he's right here. Mark yeah. that one down in the in the no, yeah. I don't have that column. <laughs> I'm expecting the uh, the outbound uh, sales request pretty soon. So uh, I'm they're sure. already on their way. Yeah. They're already coming. <laughs> 
Um, cool. That's, that's really well said. And, and again, um, I think it's really interesting to see how people blend, uh, blend the, the generational differences. Um, I'm pretty similar to you where I like to do my research online. I like to find things that I want, but too often in times like, you know, I'm, I want to go get that thing right now and I'll hop in the car and I'll go grab it. Um, although I, I do have an Amazon account, so I, uh, <laughs> you're, you're one step beyond where I'm at. Um, I'm working my way. I'll get there eventually. One step past there. Yeah. Um, so depending on target market, um, we talked about experimenting with different mediums. Um, TikTok is one of the ones that's going absolutely crazy right now. Um, even things like Pinterest, um, kind of crazy, but now we're circling back and talking about reinvesting in brick and mortar as we look to kind of reopen the economy. Um, are there things that you think are, are smarter in certain places to be investing in, or is it kind of just, again, dip your toe everywhere and see what works? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's um, something to be said for experimenting, especially in the, the advertising uh, space. Uh, but, you know, if you're not already investing in Facebook, Google, you need to start there. I think that's like, if you're going to have a healthy, balanced breakfast, Facebook and Google should be your eggs and bacon. And then everything else is, you know, what you add to it. Um TikTok, uh, Pinterest, Snap, like these are all excellent platforms that will work very aggressively to figure out how to, you know, get more share of wallet. Um, same goes with Bing and, you know, Microsoft advertising. I, I think a lot of these platforms are um, going to flourish uh, as, you know, brands discover new ways to engage with um, new audiences. Uh, it's only natural. So, um, you know, we're seeing those developments now. I think if you look East, uh, there's, you know, these developments have been happening for a while, right? I mean, TikTok's, um, you know, parent company, ByteDance is, has already invested in payments infrastructure in China. Um, and, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with live selling. Is it, is it, are you familiar yeah. with this? Yeah. So that's huge, you know, in, in the Far East and is making its way across um, EMEA and, and of course in the U.S. as well. And I'm certainly seeing that on the business development side in the partnership space uh, of new market entrants trying to figure out new ways to engage with merchants and then communicate that experience really cleanly to the end customer. You even just look at a really easy example. When, when Instagram was launched, it was simply a platform to share pictures. And yep. now all of a sudden there's advertising on it. You can buy directly from a store. You never have to leave the platform. They've built in payment processors. It's, it grows very, very quickly. And at a point, I don't know where the point is, whether it's early or late in the journey, but there will be a point where it's, it's almost too late as a business to go, okay, let's go experiment with this thing. Cause you've been so far behind the line already. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's always good to start, um, you know, somewhere uh, and there will always be new businesses trying to figure out new things. But um, I, I think it's, again, it's a great time to be a brand and trying to figure this out and, and try to find new creative ways to engage with your audiences. Um, I, I, to that end though, I think thinking about the Omni story, the end goal would be to transact anywhere and everywhere at all times. Right. And right. we have that, overseas, um, you know, with things like, you know, WeChat enabling payments and dating and shopping and all, all the things um, that you'd want in one super app uh, that won't exist in the same way in the, in the US for regulatory reasons. But I do think we're going to see pieces of that begin to emerge um, in, in whatever forms those take on. Um, but, you know, one of the things I like to follow in the news is like the, the intersecting of Facebook, Instagram, Messenger, WhatsApp, and a, you know, what that means from, from a legal perspective and, and how we approach business, but also just how, how interesting it is to be able to communicate as a brand to audiences that you may not have even like fathomed uh, that, you know, the opportunity to communicate would have existed. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very bullish on the next several years for commerce in, in the U S and North America. And, uh, um, yeah, I really look forward to seeing how it plays out. 
I very much agree with you. It's if there are silver linings that come from COVID, it's that this has just pushed everything into the future, not a ton, but maybe five, seven years, yeah. you know, payment processors have advanced. There's a lot of easy ways to do a lot of different things. It's exciting. There's a lot of change, but it's, it, there's a lot of opportunity as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think as you see, you know, companies like Shopify push more into payments, um, you know, Stripe obviously just raised, you know, what was $600 million in the last few days. Um, Square and having invested in inventory and order management capabilities, there's there's just so much happening, so much movement, um, and and I think we'll we'll see it play out uh, over the next few years. But um, the industry is, is definitely going through; it's having a moment uh, right now, and I think that's that's really exciting, you know, for people like us that are kind of on the ground and, and working with partners that are really directly helping these merchants make those decisions. Spot on. Yep, hundred percent spot on. Um, one other thing kind of went off on our tangent, but when I get back to uh, some generational stuff, what are what are some of the things you're seeing that that different generations value? So like discounts is obviously a big thing. Um, a lot of people seem to be they're trying to get away from from massive offering discounts all the time. Peer reviews are a big deal, convenience, free shipping, things like that. What are how do some of those things play into an, an omnichannel strategy? Yeah, I mean, I think shipping uh, is a great one. Uh, I'm a huge fan of, of turning, you know, fulfillment into, you know, profit center. Right. And I think there are um, partners that, that do that really well. I think delivers an ex- excellent example of that and um, that they can, you know, push a fast tag to, um, you know, various marketplaces, similar to how Amazon has the prime badge. Um, so I think having a really effective fulfillment strategy that also dovetails into your ad strategies, that way you're spending very effectively um, is really important. But, um, you know, as far as other trends, I think free trials are, are something I think a younger audience is certainly taking advantage of. Um, memberships, subscriptions, like those are all very real things um, and, you know, recharges in the right space to support that. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think for me, like those are the ones that really stick out other than like the curbside pickup, Bopis, uh, you know, right. kind of functionality that has existed for, you know, many years, but really got... Um, you know, got fast tracked, I think, to the, to the mainstream brand segment over the last several months as well. Definitely. The buy online pickup in store is, is something that we're seeing a lot more of pop yeah. up. Um, so super interesting. Keep an eye on. So let's tie it all together here. What is kind of the overall sentiment of Omnichannel other than just, you know, be everywhere, do everything, get everything in front of your customers as much as you can? I mean, yes to all that, um, sure. But I think it's, you know, it's, it's spending in the right places at the right time. I mean, or better not spending, investing in the right places at the right time. Um, you know, working with your, your vendors um, as uh, consultants to, to help drive your business forward is, is really critical. Um, I think, you know, one thing I would advise is that you know, being a brand is, is really important and being a brand that understands that it connects with different people or the same people in various places is, is critical to, to success. I mean, I, I think the brands that are most memorable, again, are the ones that deliver a really connected, seamless experience from the moment they, you know, a customer engages with the brand for the first time to the time that they're returning a product because they don't decide they didn't like it, uh, right? So I, I think there's, there's a lot that needs to be done to spend the time, invest the right resources, just being a good person, a good business um, to these customers done right it's memorable. And, you know, people remember things that are memorable, right? If, if you had a good experience like that, that triggers a response. And I think people will hold on to that. And, and that ultimately drives your LTV um, and, and your success over time as well. 
And the only thing I'll add to that is, um, I'll let you comment on this in a sec, but only thing I'll add is there, there really aren't any failures here. The, the only failure is not experimenting and not trying to do these things. So you dip your toe somewhere, you try a different platform, you try a different product, shipping platform, whatever it ends up being, and it doesn't work. You just treat that as a lesson. You know, that one didn't work. We, you know, we may have gotten a couple of customers here and there, but pivot that around. It's just fine tuning a strategy. You'll never go into this and say, okay, check on the channels done. It's, it's a process. It's, it's always a sliding scale. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, again, the brands that can kind of embody that and, and live by it uh, are going to survive, right? I mean, brands do fail, um, you know, do go out of business, but I think the, those are the ones that decided to stop innovating. Um, and um, to your point, I, I think there's, there's no shortage of things to, to try out and, and there's no shortage of people that can help provide answers. Uh, and I think that's one thing I've tried to really um, focus on internally uh, at Big Commerce. I've been coming here about a year ago, um, but even now, you know, one of our most recent hires on the team is dedicated to a new practice uh, called Omni Consulting. And I, I love it. I mean, it's like this person's only job is to get on the phone and talk to merchants about their tech stack. And That's it's amazing. Strategy. It's free. Like there's no, there's no, no strengths, right? It's just, we're here to help you grow. That's, that's how we win. That's how you win the end. And uh, I, I would advocate really encourage brands to look for those resources and lean into them. Awesome. That's really cool. I didn't know that position existed. That's a, that's a really cool. I, I hope we start to see that across a lot of different platforms. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we will. Very cool. So a couple rapid fire questions here in closing. Um, what advice would you give to a subscription brand who's just launching? You got to find that product market fit. Um, so I think, you know, you brands, you know, that, that go into business, having an audience or, or knowing that there's a willing audience that that's looking for this product will ultimately survive since you're solving a problem. Um, and usually those, those brands are born out of passion and things that, you know, the founders are also facing challenges with themselves. So, um, yeah, I'd say big thing for me would be making sure you just have a product that's solving a problem in the market. Um, beyond that, it's like, the, the feedback is so critical. And I think there are some brands um, that have done this really well by leveraging Facebook community groups and driving, you know, their customers to engage with them in the group uh, where, you know, the conversations can be monitored. Um, customers can be open with their feedback, like this sucked, this didn't. Uh, and then, you know, where to fix or double down on um, to, to bring those, you know, changes to light. Uh, that, that, that's awesome. I, I, like how, how much closer could you really get to a customer than, you know, on Facebook, personal profiles and having a real genuine conversation. Um, so, so I think that's, that's huge. And, uh, you know, I think there are more technical things, um, you know, in the, in the payment space where if you're, you know, investing in things like tokenization and, um, making sure that you're, you're just preventing any leaky buckets and preventing against fraud and taking the right steps to make sure you have a healthy business, um, are critical. Um, but, but ultimately, like beyond that, to, to the earlier point you had made around the four pillar strategy, you know, really focusing on checking off the boxes, so to speak, and make sure you're thinking about your tech stack, you're thinking about your channel strategy, you're thinking about your traffic. Um, it's a lot to juggle, but done right, um, you're really building a recipe for success. Very well said. I love the point about Facebook groups. I think you're, you're spot on there. It's, you can't really get closer and more honest feedback been in a group where, where oh, it's a bunch of your customers all sitting together. Yeah, Great point. Exactly. Flip the script. So just talked about um, or, uh, brands who are just launching subscription. What about brands who are trying to take it to the next level to pass that 10,000, 100,000 subscriber mark? Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's interesting, right? Because you can't um, perfectly set up a subscription model on a marketplace, right? There's, there's no, 
path to saying, Hey, you know, buy this coffee bag every, you know, 14 days on my Walmart marketplace. That's definitely a platform play with your website, but I think it's back to the test and learn. Like you can use channels, other channels as um, liquidation channels. You can um, try different methods around uh, drop shipping and and trying out new products, even via your website to see, you know, do people even care about this? And then um, uh, you can tell me actually within recharge, can you, can you change SKUs or add SKUs to the subscription over time? Yeah. Yep. So I, I think that's a great way to you know, introduce new products uh, or similar products that may be beneficial to the customer that maybe they didn't think about. Um, so there's a, there's a lot you can do with, with testing and, and making sure that um, this product is right for this channel and this audience. Uh, beyond that, optimize your operations. Um, so if shipping and customer service aren't profit centers yet, uh, you should consider it. I mean, I think... Part of it is choosing the right tech partner. So, you know, like in the in the customer service space, if you're um, working with a gorgeous or, or some other, you know, really great platform that helps manage your, your customer interactions, um, or, you know, from a fulfillment uh, strategy perspective, maybe you are offering free shipping over a certain dollar value to drive your AOV up, right? I think there's a number of things you can do to just, you know, hammer home the, the value point, um, you know, with your customers. And, and finally, it's a, kind of similar to the, to the second point is just choosing the right partners, right? You know, and invest in your vendors. Uh, they're, it, it's not so much like a, a cold sale practice. I, I remember before I got into sales, I always thought about sales as like the, the used car salesman approach. And, you know, you have this tacky suit and there's this and there's that. Just the people shoving things down your throat saying, yeah. you gotta buy, buy, buy. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm not going to say the commerce space is void of that, um, you know, in some of course. <laughs> but, but I will say that um, in my not so long career, I've certainly come across a lot of genuine people in the commerce space that are really focused on helping businesses make great strategic decisions. Um, and I, uh, that's valuable. Like, I, I love that about the space. I think that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm so in love with everything I, I work on um, is that you know, people genuinely care uh, about helping other people. And uh, I haven't seen that, you know, in other industries that have, that have happened to be a part of as well. You're spot on. And, and that's from a sales perspective. My side of a marketing perspective is exactly the same. Like if you're writing content, if you're producing anything, if you're putting things out into the world, being genuine, like people, start, people can see through the BS at this point. It's yeah. not like, it's not the seventies and eighties where you can put anything out there and it just works. Yeah. You have to be really thoughtful with what you say, but it, it, ha- it has to be genuine. Totally. Totally. It comes through. Yeah. It's very, very obvious. Um, and I, I think it's, and again, back to the investment thing, right? It's, it's, you take the time to be real and people will uh, respond to that by buying your product, right? What better way to say, thank you. And I get it. And I hear you then here's my $50. Um, and exactly. Yeah. So yep. it, perfect. Perfect example. Last question for you, and I'm really interested to hear this now with no Amazon and no Netflix account, yeah. but what physical products do you subscribe to? Um, so I'm, I'm pretty familiar with uh, like Menlo Club um, in the fashion space. Uh, I think they have a great, great fashion box and, and selection. Um, I know the COO at, at Bowie. Um, and so it's like, uh, you know, bathroom products, uh, scrubbers, materials, things like that. Uh, Deathwish Coffee Company. Um, so when I, uh, when I feel like I need to drink gasoline, um, I drink death wish and, uh, so keep you uh, caffeinated for eight days in a row at least. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> uh, I think it's actually one of the, one of the only, or the only brand of coffee that's actually been like exported to the moon. I'm pretty sure. Um, so it's, uh, 
yeah, excellent product. Um, I've actually been to, to their facilities out in upstate New York. Um, it's a really cool, cool operation out there. And, um, I don't have a dog, but, uh, vast a few people in the company and bark box uh, has come up quite a bit. Um, so, uh, you know, box for your dog, right? What, what better product for them <laughs> than, than a recurring subscription, um, that gives them all their toys and treats. Keep your dogs entertained while you're at home as much as you. Exactly. No brainer. <laughs> Matt, thank you so much for coming on. Of course. Yeah, this is a pleasure. Uh, yeah, happy to do it again. We want to thank Matt once again for joining us. If you're interested in BigCommerce, you can head over to bigcommerce.com. If you're looking for more of our episodes, check us out at rechargepayments.com slash hit subscribe. And to get the latest episodes, remember to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening from. 